0: Hello everyone and welcome to Playdate, a podcast that's all about expansion and consciousness and exploring the new paradigm, living in the new earth in a playful way. So I'm here today with two amazing, amazing friends and I'm so excited, I'm so excited because we have a juicy, juicy topic and the topic today is really how do you stay connected with you know, your partner, your friend, your lover, when you're really angry and you're upset and you're triggered. And how do you do it in a productive way? I'm so excited for this topic. So I'm going to let Rob and Pamela introduce themselves. Hi everybody, this is Pamela,
1: Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Cowgirl, (laughs) 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 what should I say? Um, I'm really excited to talk about anger. It's one of my favorite topics. Um, It's a very rich, rich fertile soil for me, so I'm excited. Thanks for having me today, Allison.
2: Hi, I'm Rob. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm really excited, too, because this is like one of my passions, is to um, help others connect with each other when they're really angry. And how can we still be in a space of love even when there's um, disagreement or some tension? Like, this is like super juicy for me. So I'm excited to share what I've learned in my own experiences.
0: Amazing. So I'm curious to know first off, well, yeah, how do you? what, What are. What are the tips? I mean, I know tips are kind of shallow, especially when you're dealing with something like anger. But what would you say is the most important tool and our practice that you have for connecting, staying connected with yourself and with another person when you're dealing with feeling really triggered?
2: I think what's coming up right away for me, what is key, is self-connection. It's really about, like, feeling your body, like feeling every aspect of your being, um, staying at the level of sensation in your body. Um, because what happens is when we get angry, why, why it usually goes in a not such a constructive space is because when we're angry, we lose our center of gravity to the other person, or it's usually we're both losing our center of gravity to the topic at hand we're both lost and we're lost in some twilight zone dimension and that's why it's key to be connected in the body and I've noticed when people stay connected in the body with each other it's it helps them to be more autonomous so they feel angry but now they're separate from each other so that's key, like self connection being at the level of sensation and then having some level of separation between you and the other person energetically so basically feeling the boundary around your body on the skin level and really making that distinction how you're separate and that takes time that really takes a lot of time to get skill in terms of feeling the subtleties of that like we lose it right away like when we're out in public and stuff so those those are the main points i got more but i want you guys to chime in
0: Thanks, Rob, for sharing. And yes, I can totally connect with that. I, yesterday, I was in the car like I was sharing, driving, and it was a big traffic jam, and it was hot, and everyone was angry, and the first thing I did when I noticed myself escalating was like put my hand on my heart. She's like, okay, I gotta feel my body here. I'm gonna fly, literally, I'm gonna fly off the handle <laughs> and out of my car. <laughs> so Pamela, what about you?
1: Um, For me, it's really important I guess this is also part of self-connection, part of self-connection that Rob was talking about. But for me, I think the most important key is listening. Like when that anger comes, it, where is it in my body? And also, what is it saying? And at the same time when I'm feeling it in my, in my body, not identifying with it, allowing it without identifying with it, just seeing it as a voice a voice that wants to speak it could be mine it could be another person's it's coming at me it could be from inside it could be from outside but just and also uh, but you know it, it is there that voice and it wants to speak and just almost like listening with compassion like this is something that's really here right now what does it want to say and I hear you and now you know, I, I, I let you move, I let you move, and at the same time, I'm the listener. I'm not moving with you. I may or may I may or may not choose to move with you, but I'm keeping my center right here. I'm the listener. I'm not gonna necessarily drown in this anger, but I'm letting it move, allowing, listening, allowing, and keeping that center. Really, very solid listening. So that for me is key. The allowance is also a big element of this because I notice that if I'm afraid, if I become afraid of that anger and my listening, I lose my listening because truly underneath intense anger is usually very intense fear. So they go together for me very, very closely tied. So um, I try to just, Stay in the center and give them both my ear, my attention, without getting, without drowning with either. It's that. a very, very um, subtle and delicate work because you're both the holder, the experiencer, and yeah,
0: it's it requires a lot of muscle practice. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would like to say. You. I really. I can so connect to like what you're sharing, especially about seeing it as separate. That's so important. Cause like when it isn't separate from us, it can just like take over our whole, right. Our whole being. Um, it's funny, actually one of my mentors taught me this meditation where you actually imagine the fear out in the distance, like you're standing and it has a, a like a body, you know, it has a, it's a being and you see what that, you know, you pick whatever fear you're dealing with and you actually see like, what does it look like? You know what I mean? Like, This morning I was having this really intense feeling, experience, this fear that was just like, oh, like life is never going to work out for me. Mm -hmm. And so I was seeing, like, I was like, all right, I'm going to see what this looks like. And it was just this, like, it was like a, I looked like slime, (laughs) like slime. And it was like, it was so sad and goopy and it was like gooping towards me. But the moment that I was able to actually see that character, it became separate. me you know in my mind's eye and then I could actually like have compassion for myself because I could have compassion for it because I could see like wow this character is so sad (laughs) like it's not having any fun at all um so I love what you share about yeah separation and I'm curious from both of you because one of the things that I'm really excited and passionate about is working with young people I feel like young people today need so much help with um their emotions, right, and and being able to manage and, and be in the world with their emotions, especially with social media and like, there's so much so, so many opportunities for young people these days to not actually be able to be with themselves. And so I'm curious to know like, wh- how you know what were your, what was what led you to be able to have this awareness of being able to, um, separate the you know the emotion from yourself and also be in your body. And do you see that there's, like, I don't know, a quicker way, maybe, (laughs) like, for kids now that maybe are really suffering or needing it?
1: Can I say something? I just want to say something as a follow-up to what I just said before I go on to um, address your question. I just want to be very careful not to, um, in the separation, I just want to be very careful not to dissociate or, like, to... um, to not also own the anger as something I'm really feeling right now because that's really important Um, for me to own that it's in my body I'm feeling it because it's very easy to say like oh it's over there it's not here and then it becomes some kind of bypassing and that can be very dangerous that can be that can result to anger that never will be met you know like oh, so print. it's really important i wanted to really You're clarify that yeah, he there is some kind of distance but there is also an ownership like yeah it's here i feel it right here it's not a, it's not over there mm. what's separate is like that's not my identity that's not all of me yeah it's a part of me and the reason i want to be careful with it is because is because if we separate it it becomes a shadow just lurking over us it never gets met. Mm. And um, I'm not sure if can I ad- address yeah. your question about the oh, little yeah. one
2: Here we go. To are. stay no to stay.
0: Yeah, we're picking up from where we left off right here 10 minutes in. You
2: no know, without touching it can you oh. just is there an option where you can just keep it flowing? Cuz I have that on my recorder. hey
0: all we're just figuring out our recordings
1: go down and play
0: awesome alright we're back we're back we're back yeah so where do we leave off I huh? want to
2: talk more about anger like um I would like to hear everyone's experiences like currently something hot and juicy right now in your lives where maybe you're angry with someone and maybe you're having some difficulty staying connected or you're, you're being successful in staying connected I think you know, the the listeners here would would probably be interested in that. Some real life examples that are alive right now for us.
0: Hmm. I love it. Hmm.
2: Pamela, do you have any one?
0: I uh, have
1: too much. <laughs> <laughs> I would have difficulty
2: picking one, but, uh... how about you?
0: I mean, well, part of me, I can think of some, and then part of me is feeling like, oh, I don't know that I want to share this with the world.
2: Like, You don't have to mention the person's name. I,
0: I know, I know, it, but it's just interesting to observe my own resistance uh, to wanting to even share that uh, I have This anger. is a <laughs> good topic right
2: here. This is a topic right here. Let's delve into that at least. We don't talk about the person, but the resistance. Because yes. this right here will, in my experience, prevent you from staying connected with someone.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. So, and you're, like, I can imagine maybe a lot of possibly like, long-term relationships, there's this unfelt yeah, anger, that's right. and it just starts that's piling right. up and piling up, that's and right. then and it...
2: And you, start, you put it under the carpet, and it, it just it's building up over time, yeah, until it's ready to explode, and then you divorce or separate it, or... Something.
0: yeah which yeah so i'm curious to know that never yeah seems like to in your relationships how do you how do you like to process anger what does it look like like take us through like a step-by-step of what does it look like i mean i know it's not always step-by-step but
2: do you want to talk about our relationship Illustrated. yeah you and i Pamela. um <laughs> I mean, that's juicy i mean yeah you, okay okay Yeah, we'll just give you some background here. So, Pamela and um, I—it's 2018 right now, by the way, just in case people listen to this 10 years from now. It's 2018. What is it? It's June. What is it? Eighth. June eighth, 2018. So, Pamela and I met around April first, 2009. Wow. Around April Fool's Day. I don't know if it was on April Fool's Day, but it was around there. And. Me and her have been on this crazy fucking journey for like the last 10 years. Like we started off like dating and um, she was actually, I don't even know if I want to share. Is it okay if I share everything? Because I don't mind. Uh. (laughs) Uh, Your context. So at the time that we had this heart to heart connection and sexual connection, she was actually married. So that was a little tricky. We actually didn't do anything physically. Um, until I
1: separated Until
2: physically. Right, until you separated. But it was interesting because we can do a segue here. It sa- and this is my, my understanding of you and your ex-husband was that there was a lot of emotion and there wasn't much self-connection on your part. And you were just like burying emotions just like we were talking with Allison and well, Oh, I've been doing
1: that for the whole of my life, Yeah. My entire life, yeah.
2: And then what happened was, um, it just was coming to a boiling point. I came in your life, and I think it was like within a few weeks when you were like, adios, senor, right? Yeah. Um,
1: I think just like to go back to like the crooks of the topic. Mm -hmm. um, My initial response when I feel anger flare up is to blame. Usually that's my go-to, like who the fuck is messing with my field? Who the fuck's <laughs> giving me this energy? I'm going to start looking around. Like, you know, like, who who's to blame? Who's to blame? Mm. Usually that's my, um, that's my f- default. And then sooner or later I'll catch myself. And sometimes I could e- give, even get physical. Like, I'll really, like, start, like, making sounds and growling and <laughs> it's like... <laughs>
2: Or like, pinching the person. Pinching
1: the person. Robs, I've given Rob... Don't ever Rob, do that again. I've given Rob a lot of black and blues. Back that hasn't in the day.
2: happened in a long time.
1: 2010, ago. I think.
2: Yeah, that, that was a long time
1: ago. Like I would give him a lot of black and blues because my anger pinching. was so intense and I I felt like oh he's the he's to blame. And and, I would and would to snap be honest too with you, like I, had no self-control. I had no self control. I had no self control. I would just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um. Now, like what nine year a decade later, um, I have more self-control, but I'm very conscious. I'm more conscious of the blame when I put it out there, and then I realize that there's this dynamic between that blame and how how um, how helpless I feel inside. Really, like how open and vulnerable to hurt I feel inside. Mm.
3: You know, so.
1: And I usually go to blame when I feel like I'm unprotected, like I'm not able to protect myself. And that's why I come out with the force of that violence. Mm -hmm. And so over the years, I've learned to really master self-care more. You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm doing this medicine, Chinese medicine. It's more about self-care. It's a lot about self-care. And a big part of it is also being authentic with myself like oh this is something I can't handle I I need to speak up I need to say I've had enough I need to I need some space mm. instead of like pretending I'm oh I'm big enough to handle this yeah of course I'm, I'm big enough and so I take it on and then I lash out because I realize like that's so not true I'm not okay with this and so there's a lot you know like a lot of vol- invulnerability to myself that I had I didn't have but uh, I had before that I have had to work through mm. in order to work with my anger I think a lot of anger is actually connected to invulnerability with ourselves mm. yeah
0: interesting thank you for sharing yeah I'm sure a lot of listeners out there can relate you know on some level or maybe even there's a new awareness that's occurring for some people that are listening like yeah that's me <laughs> you know like when I feel really vulnerable like I'm not protected I want to lash out yeah and I can there's certain for me there's certain specific moments when that occur like it's like specific situations when that occurs not all the time for me but yeah I can relate to that for sure so, Rob, do you, do you want to sh- pick up more, share more about...
2: Yeah, there's um, a rich history here. So, Pamela and I um, started dating just around that time.
1: He loves to talk about this topic. <laughs> I don't know for the life of me why. Yeah,
2: I felt a little sensitive, too, because I, I forgot that this is going to be public, so I was being playful with this, but I, I'm also being considerate of the, the listeners here that maybe listen to this. When I said that you know it was within weeks that you got rid of him maybe I was being a little insensitive there so uh, I I was being playful and joking around so but I also you know um, just want to take note that it was the marriage that you were in was pretty volatile and toxic from what you told me and yeah and just be
1: careful with your words you know like I didn't get rid of him (laughs) that's like those are very like shady words
2: shady wow that's a strong word yeah. I can see the dynamic between all you know, right. Why, why do you see Shady?
1: Um, got rid of him is like. It was a very difficult time for me, you know? Like, got rid of him is pretty.
2: I was know. being playful. I don't know if I was being shady. Like, that wasn't my intention. But then as I connected to the larger context here, then I realized that I, I should probably. Um,
0: well like got rid of him is more like a victim consciousness thing like he you know it wasn't like there were two of you in a dynamic that was not healthy and toxic And there you know you were both contributing to that so it's yeah it's just like more like reframing it like the relationship dissolved and it was good that it did probably because it wasn't healthy for either one of you was that true like it just wasn't healthy yes yes
1: absolutely And I also want to highlight this very moment as a practical, as a practical example, you know. If I was feeling something quite not right in my body upon hearing those words, got rid of him, and I didn't voice out myself, like, hold on a second, I want to explore that, let's stop for a moment, and almost like reveal myself, even though it feels like, it could feel like, he could think like, I'm very petty, Mm -hmm. like people could label whatever you feel as petty like there's always that risk but I'm risking myself and like um, like revealing myself that that's important to me if I did not do that like speak my mind Mm -hmm. I'm sure that would fester in my my body for the next few weeks until you know one day i'm just gonna like come down on him and say like
2: and explode and explode Mm. yeah
1: that was the pattern i found myself in a lot wow i let those things go thinking oh that's petty of me to think that way yeah and like just and just like put them in a bubble of cotton and cotton candy and flowers
0: and say like no that's not me
1: yeah it's like that non-acknowledgement of what i felt in my body at that point
0: what's true for you yeah I can so relate to this actually I was out um, I was hanging out with Mahesh, my, my my partner and his co-workers last week two weeks ago and one of his co-workers who was like in her late 20s thought it would be an interesting game to go around the whole circle and be like how old is everyone and I just turned 40 um, which like for me, for whatever reason there's like stuff coming up for me around that I don't it's just that's just what's true for me right now it's like there's a lot of like stories that I feel I'm you know that are played out in our culture around aging and getting older especially as a woman that I'm like feeling in my body and I'm processing them and so as like it's getting closer to me I was just like feeling this bubbling inside of me like oh my god I don't want to answer this question what do I do but it was kind of like a spotlight thing where everyone was like looking 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 and I was like and then, you know, the woman came to me, and so I shared, and she was like, what, what? And she was really offended. Like, like not offended, she was just reacting really strongly. Like, oh my god, because everyone, most people there were in their early 30s, late 20s. Anyways, um, so, anyways, my point being that, um... I had a moment where I was like, I could just not say anything to her reaction, but then I, but then I was like, no, what's true for me right now is like, I find this really offensive and really rude that she's actually doing this. And I felt like she was bullying me and on some level, like there was some insecurity in her that needed to like do this and, um, and react in that way. It just, to me, like, I, I just... And I also was present to like a lot of limiting beliefs around aging and, you know, and all that. So I just spoke my mind and people were really taken aback. Like they were like, but you know, they work in an office culture where it's kind of like, don't speak your truth. (laughs) It's like, it's not appropriate. There's not space for that always. And so I just kind of wonder like, what would the world be like if there was space for people to speak their truth? But also, you know... It's really powerful to be able to speak our truths and own our stuff in the process. There's a difference between being like, you be, you're, you know, you're whatever because you're trying to make me feel bad for being 40 and you're 26. Or like, hey, like I'm noticing that I'm feeling a lot of anger come up inside of me right now because we live in a world that's so ageist and i'm feeling boxed in and i'm feeling you know i'm feeling projected on and i'm feeling like you're putting all this energy on me that isn't even mine and like for me it doesn't i don't want 40 to mean anything you know what i mean so just curious to know like if inside your dynamic you get to have that you know experience of being able to communicate anger while also owning your stuff instead of like pointing the finger projecting out
2: Um, I think now (laughs) we're doing that, I would say like in the last few years, we've really have honed in on that skill of owning, but that wasn't always the case, so I'll just continue the story. Um, (laughs) Pamela and (laughs) and I dated for three years and we, um, decided together to explore polyamory and we tried many different configurations in this polyamory um, one was me and her being uh, a unit, but having an open relationship. And then we trans—we decided to, well, she decided to, to transition from that and be single and date other men. And then we happened to, she was dating other men for a while. And then we happened to, she dated one man who was like one of my best friends. And um, we had a triad and we lived together and you know we went through that experience and so many more other nuances that just is not enough time to describe but we've just been through so many configurations and now we consider each other like family and it's like it's really not a word for what pamela and i are now i mean we both agree that we're not ideal for each other in terms of life partnership but we want to honor the connection that's between us and we wanna support each other in our life dreams and goals and help each other attract our ideal life partner. So that's where we're at now. Um, you're making faces, so <laughs> I don't know.
1: I'm getting so annoyed because you're like segueing from the topics like way over yonder.
2: Well, because I, we began, okay. we began with me trying to describe our whole 10 years. Okay. And then I think it was you guys yeah. that were seguating. So I'm just trying to weave. It's not that we can't come back.
1: Okay. Yeah. So um, just to <laughs> come back to the crooks of the matter. <laughs> so because I want to I say like, like just to tie this in more tightly. Yeah. Um, what you said about um, acknowledging how I'm feeling, saying it out, letting it be voiced out. And at the same time, owning but this is my stuff. Um, so, I think that combination is really, really important. So, in our relationship, Rob and I, we have this um, we have this thing called letting the jackals run.
2: Yeah, that's to answer Allison's. <laughs> yeah, that's question. to
1: answer to Allison's question, right? We have this thing called letting the jackals run, and that I remember you, Allison, mentioning like you don't know if there's always that space. For you to voice out how you feel, right? Mm-hmm. And that's very wise mm-hmm. to acknowledge that. Like, it's not always the right time and space. Yeah. But in our relationship, Rob and I, we've established that we can yes. and we will, and we will be there, watching and letting the jackals run. So, what does that mean? Like, if I'm, if I have something on my chest that really wants to be said, I'm going to say it, having asked for your um consent like are you in the space to to hold me right now mm. cuz i have some jackals that want to run <laughs> and then i'm going to let you have it like i'm going to i'm not going to hold them back i'm going to let them run you're going to hear it.
2: And I would say a lot of times uh, you don't ask for consent. Come uh, on, let's not be fucking... Really? Let's not be so clean and proper okay, here on okay, okay, the right. recording. Right, to be mm. to be honest. There's, a, there's an implied consent. There's I an mean,
0: implied consent. Oh, well, that's yes. a... I mean, that's a, even in itself a practice, right? Being that aware that, like, to ask. How about this?
1: Inverse consent. Meaning to say, if you're not okay with this say something Mm. say stuff. right exactly if I'm not in a space
2: where I can hold her I'll tell her
1: right there's an inverse that's that's something I just coined right now there's inverse consent if you're not okay with what I'm doing say it right away and you know like I won't put it on you
2: okay and sometimes you get, we get messy. We, we like, oh, yeah. we fucking jackal with each other. And we, we, it's right. just a fucking mess, and no one's holding anyone. And then, we just go to separate corners. Yeah. And then we come back and we're like, oh, you know what? I'm sorry for being an asshole. Or, yeah. But you I, know, so there's always there's th- this other container, inside the container. It's very yes. complex, Pamela. I's relationships. Yes,
1: I have to say that we can we have this allowance to make it as messy as it needs to be because we both have this mutual trust that no matter what happens no trust. matter how yeah. much mud i smear on like because it's also a beautiful way of exploring shadows and working with shadows you know yeah. i know that i can really go to the dark deep deep dark To meet my shadow Oh I have something When I come out You will be here You won't be afraid of me And the monsters I'm afraid of in myself Can I chime in? Mm -hmm. That's how much love We have for each other Wow
2: I want to chime in Yeah exactly And I feel like That's key Like in relationships Like If you have These kind of containers That Pamela and I Are talking about Then you get to vent And be an asshole Or be a crazy bitch And like Whatever you want to be Like some fucking Nightmare hellish (laughs) figure but it's in that that you get to see what's really fucking inside of you if you're trying to be like proper and contained and like being like fucking politically correct with your partner about like oh what's gonna create harmony then you create this stifling thing and because you have all this other shit in you that's not coming out
0: but yeah. you're afraid
2: of right you're afraid of
0: yeah and so- I imagine that puts a real big like cap on the amount of joy and the amount of fun and yeah. the amount of Juicy, delicious—you know—life force energy, sexual energy that you can
2: have. Exactly. Oh yeah, it makes good sex. (laughs) (laughs) Let's put that in. Oh my god. This is
0: awesome. I'm so thank you guys. And the next segment, I would actually just love for you two to maybe just give a synopsis of just some simple practices that people can do on their own with their partners with their friends and you know maybe also highlighting when and where it's appropriate like Pamela you pointed out it isn't always appropriate to share our truth like when I share my truth with Mahisha's coworker, it it was like Mm, not quite appropriate, (laughs) but we got over it. There was a little, but his, his, his male coworkers were like, damn, your girlfriend's awesome. (laughs) They were just like, I like her. I like her. (laughs) So anyways, okay, we'll, we'll see you guys in the next segment. All right, everyone. So we wanted to make this segment about you and really giving you some simple tools and practices that you can start to use inside of your own relationships and friendships and partnerships and all of that to support you in, um, really having more aliveness, be present and, um, not having to carry around a lot of anger and rage and resentment (laughs) inside of your relationships. So yeah, Rob, why don't you, I'd love to hear what would be say three simple practices that people could start.
2: In terms of what? Like with anger with others? Yeah. Yeah. um, I'm just sensing in I think what's most important is self-connection so like doing like you know brief meditations during the day where you just feel your body and you feel the boundary around your body at the skin level and separating from the environment and and owning those sensations so owning it meaning like I'm having these feelings I'm having these physical sensations these are mine They're separate from the people in front of me, even though they might have been like uh, a contributor to this. These sensations, it's still happening with within me, and separating. So just like that, basic meditation would do wonders. And then, you know, you know what Pamela and I do now. I mean, it's like it's been years and years of training, so. I'm trying to think of ways I, I, I'm not going to encourage that for everyone because not everyone might be not at that developmental capacity so yeah so feeling your body separating with a boundary claiming autonomy and sovereignty inside yourself and I think the second part would be to allow yourself to feel angry like if you're the kind of person that has difficulty experiencing anger like give yourself opportunities to be pissed off watch the news like think of people that could piss you off get angry do that as a practice remember we did that in dynamic presence where i invoked anger in the group space that's uh, dynamic presence is this relational meditation practice i teach um so like invoking anger and like feeling that in your body and um finding the second part would be like Anger is beautiful, man. Like, I love my fucking anger. I love my rage and outrage. Like, I love to express it. And the reason why I love to express it is because in the core of anger is a fucking truth or a voice that needs to be spoken in the world to yourself, to the people around you. And, of course, you got to be careful with this truth because you can get self-righteous, right? That's the one of the the shadow sides of anger. But what you can do is if you can claim that truth and let it touch the other truth of the person in front of you that's also pissed off and they have their truth and you let those true truths two voices like come in contact with each other in that anger i think what key is here like to have constructive fighting versus destructive constructive is where you allow the truths to touch each other and you're open to being impacted by it, open to like your truth shifting and transforming to maybe their truth, and vice versa. And like just going into the fucking hole unknown about that, like who knows if you're right or the other person's right, or maybe both of you are right? And just going into that dynamic play. So a lot of that is first being able to separate yourself energetically on a sensational level in your body to do that. And second is being able to allow yourself to feel anger. And then third is like honoring the truth that's in the anger and honoring the truth that's in the other person. And you can learn this through nonviolent communication. That's a great practice, NVC, that teaches you how to do that.
0: Hmm. So, awesome. I
2: think in a nutshell, yeah, that's probably the best to start with.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Rob. And Pamela, what about you? What would be your top three? I mean, I know this is a really complex practice, so it's it it doesn't really honor, you know, the the actual practice of in just three little steps. But it's great to start somewhere, especially for people that are listening and maybe don't have anything that they're doing right now with their anger.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, it's kind of hard to <laughs> add to what Rob just said. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like for me, the most important thing is to take time. Um, That's something very practical, like really set aside some time to connect with ourselves Um, and, you know, to hold ourselves sacred in that claiming time for ourselves to just roll with whatever is there, you know, at that time that we set aside for ourselves Mm -hmm. so hold ourselves sacred take time and like in that time we set aside for ourselves really allow ourselves to feel maybe the things we didn't get to say during the day that are still hanging out in our solar plexus and our body somewhere in our throat you know just feeling those pockets of like tightness and asking them, allowing them to speak out, Um, allowing them to speak out, just like you would listen to a kid at the end of the day, you know, like, oh, this is what happened, And, and after that, celebrating that meeting with ourselves. You know, as a practice, as a daily practice, setting aside that time Mm -hmm. to meet ourselves in sacred space and allowing ourselves to at least be there to listen to all the things we weren't able to say in the course of the day. Mm
2: -hmm. I would say
1: as a daily practice, I would really advocate that. Something very simple, even if it's just five minutes, you Mm -hmm. know, I want to make space for myself Mm -hmm. to hear myself. And let myself really groan, grunt, and like, <laughs> you know, if I need to.
0: And jump up and down if I need to. Wow. All those things. Wow. <laughs> thank you. All. Wow, wow, wow. Yes, thank you both so, 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 so much. It's so, this is such an important topic in today's world, you know. I mean, I think of all the. Young people, especially the young men who have, you know, access to a gun and have just gone and shot their friends because they feel hurt and and in pain. And it's just, to me, it's just so obvious that as human beings on a whole, like, there's really, like, we're lacking some tools and some simple practices. And um, I want people to be able to find you both. So... If you want to be, because you both are practitioners, if you want to be found, um, no pressure either. I can also add that on the on the Facebook a link to your, your businesses. Um, yeah, I don't have a website right now. So. Okay. But you do do one-on-one sessions with yeah, people. Yeah, I mean,
2: people can contact me through Facebook. But if you're going to contact me through Facebook, just let me know who you are and why you want to be friends with me? Because <laughs> I won't accept
3: otherwise.
1: Um, I'm making faces because I just took my um, my website down. Ooh. I'm I'm in the middle of a transition right now, but yeah. I do. Um, you can contact me at at acupamela@gmail.com. A C U P A M E L A at gmail.com, mm.
0: and I'm going to put up my website again soon. Yes, perfect. Thanks, Alex. It, website isn't everything really honestly <laughs> like, but okay great yay all right we're gonna adventure because we're in central park right now and it's pretty cool there's like picnic tables baseball fields kids, right kids water. water oh my passing. god so much happening rock climbers like everything so we're gonna go feel our feelings and be in our bodies and <laughs> stomp our feet yeah and do it in a way that is a pro- like you know fits into the central park mode
3: <laughs> all right bye everyone we'll see you next time about like everything was gonna go on the thing.
0: hello everyone welcome to playdate with alice and lebrun and i am so excited because i'm here today with an amazing friend my friend melissa and i just love her she's so awesome she has incredible curly hair <laughs> she's wearing this great flower dress and today we're going to jam on some really juicy topics like psychodrama and music therapy and authentic relating. And so I want to hand it over to her so she can just introduce herself
3: and then we'll kind of get going. Hi, my name is Melissa Gutman. And uh, as Allison said, we will be speaking about psychodrama. I am a trainee in psychodrama, which is a psychotherapeutic modality. And I just completed my graduate studies in music therapy at New York University. And I'm on route to becoming a certified music therapist. And I'm also a voice coach and a songwriting coach. And uh, I think that's about it for now. Yeah, awesome! Um,
0: so, we were just talking and remembering how we actually met through the authentic relating community in yes. New York City, which is so cool. I feel like almost everyone I know is involved in some way in the authentic relating community. How did you get started? How did you get involved in that
3: circle? You know what I think happened? I was at an event called Goddess on the Go. And I met Amy Silverman there. She was doing a presentation on authentic relating. Cool. And we both had a background in singing as well. So we were, I think, also I came to one of her meetups, a singing meetup. And then I also came to an authentic relating meetup. and. Um, it was just like the right time, right place. It was the first time I did circling, and um, I, really needed, I really needed it. I needed to be witnessed and seen in that moment. So it was a really healing first time for me.
0: Yes! Oh my gosh. I love authentic relating. (laughs) I love, for those of you out there that maybe haven't stumbled across it, definitely see if you can find one nearby you. Authentic relating is a really juicy relational practice, um, meditative relational practice that creates space for deeper intimacy with friends and partners. Um, and just really, I think, understanding one another, seeing one another, mm-hmm. right? as yeah. People for who they are mm-hmm. out, outside of, like, the judgments. So it's awesome. Um, but what interests me about you, another thing that interests me about you is just, like, your love of creativity and embodiment, because mm-hmm. I'm super into embodiment. What led you to kind of going outside the normal you know, I guess like traditional therapy
3: world and exploring more of these like kind of fringe modalities. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even intentional. Um, When I was 19, I tried therapy for the first time and it was a cognitive, cognitive behavioral type of therapy. And it was really helpful in terms of giving me tools to manage symptoms and have an intellectual understanding of certain things. But I didn't really get into the meat and potatoes of my life, I didn't really feel my feelings and develop these deeper awarenesses so that I could integrate um, a fuller sense of myself. And so it wasn't that I even knew there was a different type of therapy, but when I was 23, I met a couple of voice coaches um, who were very therapeutically oriented and spiritual and I had mind-blowing experiences. It was like my first time going into a state of flow, my first time having sort of meditative experiences, um, my first time having these deep, profound catharses where I was, you know grieving in the session, or expressing anger for the first time and connecting it through my voice. didn't even know it was in my body. So that was when I realized that the body is very important to incorporate. I'm
0: curious... Yes! Oh my god, yes, yes,
3: yes.
0: (laughs) I was lucky in that my... Let's see, sort of the beginning of my therapeutic journey was when I was about 25, and I ended up um, going to this kind of woo-woo, like, spiritual event in my my town with my mom. I dragged her there, Mm -hmm. and I met this woman who was a tarot card reader, Mm. and she basically took me through this guided visualization and at the time it was stuff that i thought was really weird i was like this is so strange i don't know what she's doing but in the session she's like oh you would work really you would do really well with an embodiment type of therapist and i know this amazing woman who does hakomi therapy which oh, i don't know if you're at Hako- yeah i, I did hakomi. Mm-hmm. i mean i don't do it but like i actually received it yeah so i connected with this woman when i was 25 and my whole life went on this totally different path um And, yeah, I think, I'm curious, like, just being that you just completed your master's, is it common now that a lot of people in the therapeutic world are creating, you know, making that link between the body and and knowing that, like, the body has to be part of the healing process?
3: Well, there's different types of approaches. I don't know exactly what the... I don't know what the breakdown is of therapists all over the world and how many of them practice a more somatic embodied approach. But I do think that trauma-informed therapy has really been in the, you know, greater consciousness of people these days. And there's a, I'm going to butcher his name, maybe, but Bessel van der Kolk, I believe, wrote this book called The Body Keeps the Score, Mm -hmm. which every therapist is talking about right now and it and it's all about trauma therapy but how you need to incorporate the body in order to heal trauma and so that all those modalities now that might have been considered fringe in the past are now seen as essential to a more complete healing
0: wow oh my god that's amazing if it sounds like something is in my mouth it is <laughs> because we're at the sushi place yeah. in christopher street in new york and oh my god delicious the spring roll is so good so yes oh my gosh I have to look into that book Um, it's something I've just always known but I think it's because I grew up playing sports I was lucky my dad was an athlete and he just was really adamant about me you know being involved in sports and I started playing tennis when I was like seven and um, you know dancing and all kinds of things so I always knew I felt better when I was connected to my body you know that's something I always knew but so, I'm curious. Your interest in music therapy, mm-hmm. what led you there? Like, where? how, how what did that path look like?
3: Well, because my voice coaches were really my first good therapists. Mm. You know, the ones I really needed at that time and didn't even know I needed them. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I could connect to my emotions through music was unparalleled at that time mm. through any other modality. And so, <clears throat> I had a... I don't know what kind of—I don't know if I define it as a transpersonal experience, like a spiritual experience, or if it was just an emotional catharsis. But I did have one amazing experience where I was doing a vocal performance, and my voice coach whispered in my ear, "You know, like sing this song to blank." He he told me a certain person in my life to sing it to, and. When I started to think of the lyrics as a communication, like someone that I'm actually speaking to in front of me and I envision their face there, mm. I fell apart. I was sobbing in the, in the song. Yeah. But, then, but then the most amazing thing happened where my, my voice took on a more natural quality. Um, I wasn't thinking about how I was moving or how I was standing. Like, all these things that I'm normally so self-conscious about when I'm performing went away because I just became honest. Mm-hmm. And so my voice sounded better, my performing was better, and simultaneously I was healing at the same time. And and it occurred to me, like, this is the secret nobody knows. If, like, you can get real with yourself, performing is natural.
0: Wow. Oh, my God, that's so juicy. I love that. Yeah. I have to wonder if any, um, like, famous you know, Hollywood or I don't know what you call them, rock stars or anything, you know, big time singers, if they work in this way? Or do you have a sense that like, maybe some of your favorite artists just kind of intuitively know this and that's just how, why they're so loved? Or-
3: well, there's a difference between the pop world and the musical theater world. Mm-hmm. I came up in the musical theater world okay. where there was an emphasis on acting and some of it looked a little over the top yeah. and not quite as organic. It depends on the method, but there's lots of acting methods that are about, like, feeling what you're feeling in the moment and channeling it into your expression. Something a bit more improvisational. And so, um, you know, pop singers—they're singing their own lyrics that they wrote about their own lives. And so, sometimes I think there's an immediacy there that makes sense to them. That sometimes actors have to come back around to and be like, oh, duh, I can just like be me, having an emotional experience that feels related to me and see what happens and there's a certain amount of surrender in that too because you're not contriving like what each part's going to look like or feel like and I'm not in that world professionally so I think at a certain point you do need to polish it and refine it and kind of know where it's going to go but at least in the rehearsal phase it's so fun to just like try on different ideas and so my coach David Friedman he would suggest that we were in different he called them circumstances so you know, if somebody had to really get angry. There was a woman who had a really hard time getting angry in our class, and so he, he went so far as to say, imagine you're singing this song to Hitler, or whatever, and it brought something through her. Wow. And so just that experimentation of like, what makes me tick, what makes me cry, what makes me angry, and what can I draw from from my own personal experience to make this real?
0: Mm. Wow, oh my god.
3: <laughs> this reminds me of, um,
0: <laughs> so it's so beautiful, I love that. I'm laughing because yesterday I, I felt the need to like express myself. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I love about creative, expressive arts, therapeutic things, is like for me, that's been a big part of my healing path as well. And when I don't express myself, I get really depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, it just my energy flow stops. I think that's what happens. So
3: you're a painter, you said.
0: Or um, I love dance, and I, I do know. all kinds of I just whatever I'm interested in, I'll do. <laughs> but do yesterday, the- yeah, yesterday I was um. Feeling really angry, and so I I turned on this song by Rage Against the Machine,
3: (laughs) and I was
0: yeah yeah that one, and I was singing it, and I was imagining I was singing it to our current (laughs) president, and yeah basically it was really healing like and it was just i just kind of had this awareness of like oh yeah i want to sing it to him that guy like that one like he's the one that i really want to channel this energy to and it felt so good i literally felt 10 million times better afterwards so great that's yeah i so do you only work with people that you know are singers quote unquote or will you work with anyone that's interested in exploring their voice and their just using their voice
3: most of my clients are adults who got shut down at some point and were told that they couldn't sing.
0: Wow, oh my God.
3: Yeah, and I also work with people who know that they can sing but want a deeper element to it. They know they're not as connected as they could be. Mm-hmm. And so a part of that experience of knowing that you're performing and you're singing becomes better when you're more grounded and, you know, basically authentic is recognizing that like sometimes if you have a vocal issue it's corresponding with the way you're inhibiting yourself psychologically. Mm. So people will come to me to like wow. explore like where they're holding themselves back in their self-expression and how is that showing up in their voice.
0: Oh my god, I love that. Oh, I yeah. want to work with you. <laughs> now okay. I know I want to work with you. Cuz I I love singing. I don't have like a tonally um you know i guess like trained voice or even like good voice it's not it doesn't have like a lot of what i don't know you, i don't even know anything about vocals or anything but i just know i'd like to sing like when i'm in the car i sing to my cat i sing to in the shower um and it's really healing for me but i feel actually honestly like in a past life i was a singer because i have these images of me like being up on stage and singing but for me the expression comes out as talking because i like love to talk and i you know, that's what I do for a living, so, but I feel like that's, like, a form somehow, so, ooh, I'm curious to see, like, what would emerge. Hmm, juicy. (laughs) So, do
3: you actually still perform? That's a great question. (laughs) I, you know, when I was younger, performing was my focus, and as I did some of my healing work, I had a coach that once said to me, your strong need to perform and be a singer might be because that's your calling, but it also might be because you need to find a way to express yourself authentically and you didn't have that Mm. before. And so once I did some healing work around self-expression and authentic communication and being seen and received for exactly who I am, I felt that that need to be recognized, Mm. like dissipated. I mean, it's still there. I mean, who doesn't want to be recognized? But like that, (laughs) that way it was being funneled into this like drive to become a performer that would be recognized and known somehow like that that intensity went away Mm -hmm. so now what i'm left with is like i just do it because it's joy i do it because it's who i am Mm -hmm. and so i haven't found a performance venue recently i've been focusing on my graduate studies but now that i have the downtime, i can't wait to like do something my favorite thing on earth is to harmonize with people so i probably will try to find some sort of you know choir or acapella
0: group. Yeah. Ooh, well, I know, I don't know if you heard that Amy and Oliver are doing a um, musical theater singing circle. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, they're starting that, I think, in a couple weeks. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. hmm Yeah. She actually, at camp, so Amy is someone who's really involved, for those of you out there in the authentic relating community, she's really like a leader in authentic relating in New York City, and she uh, created this amazing thing called Connection Camp and so I went to connection camp this year it was my first time and um, Oliver was there which is a friend of hers <clears throat> who's an amazing like musical theater person and <clears throat> wait I'm choking <laughs> uh-huh.
3: yes I actually went to Amy's birthday did you go there were you there mm-hmm. and they had a, an amazing performance <laughs> for the birthday where they're both singing together a song that they had written I just mm. love I love that I want to do that someday where like my birthday I'm honoring myself by being creative I never usually go that far like the farthest I've gone is karaoke yeah
0: (laughs) totally I love that yeah Yeah, so he um he had a musical write a musical in an hour class at the camp and Mm -hmm. so they actually did that and they performed it at the talent show it was amazing the creativity and just like the expression was so awesome it was so fun so, um, I love that. Well, I can't come wait to come and see you perform, I mean, oh, or come. just be part of, you know, yeah. more vocalizing in yeah. general. So I know another thing that we wanted to touch on was psychodrama, because that's something you're currently studying. Mm-hmm. And I have an interest just being someone that's interested in performance as in ritual, mm-hmm. as a means to also like be healing for people and be seen and witnessed. Um, What, yeah, what have you discovered? What have you found in that psychodrama change?
3: Hmm, psychodrama is an incredibly powerful modality. Uh, What I've found, so um, what I've learned all through my training is really just um, sort of what I learned when I was younger, but now from the, the perspective of being a practitioner of it, which is that, you know, therapy that only deals with your head and your intellect is not complete. And you can't heal on the most fundamental level unless you're incorporating your body. And so, psychodrama is really like an acting out the role of your life. So, you know, for example, in a in a scene, like I might be playing myself, and I might have to train someone to play like my sister or family member of some sort. And so. I have to really embody what it's like to be in that relationship and act it out. The voices, the, the gestures and all of that and the words that we tend to exchange with one another, for example. So it's it's a really illuminating process in terms of like getting into the root, f- root of what you're feeling and then like pulling it forth in, in the in the room, and then you learn things on a different level that you never even knew.
0: Mm. Ooh, it sounds so juicy, yeah. <laughs> and also intense, yeah. <laughs> okay. very intense. Um, do you find? I'm just curious to know when you have, say, you're doing something like on a family member, and you have somebody mm-hmm. else playing the family yeah. member. Do they often intuitively like just kind of know things or do things and you're like, how do they know that or how did they do that or why, you know, I can't believe they're doing that thing that my mom or whoever always does.
3: It is the creepiest thing of all time (laughs) and amazing. I mean, you know, I tend to think, you know, if you believe that we all on some level have experienced similar things, you know, we can identify and relate to one another. Even if we don't have the same exact circumstances of our upbringing or the same exact conflicts and whatever. So if you give someone a flavor of of what you've been through, they can take the ball and run with it. And it becomes like improv for them. And I love it. I think it's incredibly fun and liberating when I'm playing a role in someone else's life. And I just kind of like trust my instincts and my intuition. And then later after they'll say, oh, that was really strange because that's something they always say Mm. or that's something they do.
0: Oh my God. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Ooh, That's so interesting. Um... I kind of wonder, I don't know, this, you may not, or may or may not know this, this is just me and like being curious. If this was something that people did, like before there was therapy and there was all these, you mm-hmm. know, definitions and distinctions in the therapeutic world, like if this was something that people just naturally did on their own, like do you know the kind of history of psychodrama or where it started? I mean, I don't know, I like, I'm really interested in, you know, tribal culture and their sort of rituals and like the shamans and that kind of thing and how they would. Do a lot of acting out of certain things, but there were always like metaphors and things like that, so just me being curious it's actually
3: a great passion of mine to now spend some time looking into that connection myself because yeah. I do know Joseph Moreno created psychodrama, okay. but it wasn't before any other type of psychotherapy was created. It was an earlier form, I believe like well earlier in the in the 20th century you know so he was he was actually bringing psychodrama into psychiatric hospitals and you know doing that I think. I wish I could give you an exact decade, but I don't want to butcher it. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, that modality, though, was definitely unorthodox, you know, through a certain period of time, we were looking more at like regular talk therapy as being like preeminent. But then when you look at ancient cultures, yes, ritualistic dance, music, drumming. And I've done all of these things now as a part of my training. You know, I I led a drumming group for music therapists. I mean, not sorry, for music therapy patients. And I also, you know, have studied healing dance modalities and use my voice. And now I'm doing the psychodrama. So I really consider, like, my work like like a combination of all of it. Sort of like performance arts therapy.
0: Mm, oh, my God. Oh, ah, <laughs> this is so awesome. <laughs> well, wow. I mean, I have this big vision. I've had this vision for over 15 years. I know it'll come to fruition at some point. It's not right in this moment, but one of my dreams is to start a, um, like expressive arts, basically like retreat center. Yeah. And have it be like somewhere beautiful, like in nature where there's a lot of nature and and there's like a farm on the property and an outdoor theater. Mm -hmm. Um, and have it be kind of like a modern day, like research lab and also like a place for a lot of people like yourself that are, you know, experts and up and coming people in this field to do their workshops and people to come. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm just present now to like, ooh, when that happens, you're definitely I would love to have you come and, you know, share your work. So what are you excited about? Like, in terms of, you know, what's coming up, things in the future? What's exciting to you right now?
3: Mm, Getting a job would be great. (laughs) Um, I'm sort of in this netherworld because i just ended my internship which was very important to me and beloved to me and now i i'm unemployed technically so i'm I'm what i'm excited about is you know actually becoming certified um as a music therapist Mm -hmm. and finding a place that i belong you know and then eventually in the next couple of years hopefully starting my own private practice um psychotherapeutic practice Mm. Mm. yes Awesome! Um, I want to also talk a little more about psychodrama, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that you came up with. Yeah, so like one of my favorite techniques, and actually Gestalt Therapy incorporates it as well, is something called the empty chair technique. Mm-hmm. And this has been one of the most profound healing things I've used for my own healing process and the idea is that like you it kind of ties in together what I used to do in my vocal performance where you imagine someone sitting in the chair across from you Mm -hmm. and you project onto them whatever you really want to say Mm -hmm. so it's like an empty chair but like you might say oh that's my uncle in that chair or whatever and then you talk freely Mm -hmm. and then you switch places and you speak from their perspective back to you that's a really powerful technique that just helps you get perspective on things, (laughs) like shift from different roles in your mind. So you can kind of get a broader picture of the dynamics between you. Um, And another thing you could do is like an interaction between you and a body part. So you can like put your like heart on the chair, your stomach on the chair, and then you can get more real about like, maybe health issues that you're having or tension or emotions that you're carrying in different parts of your body. So like it's, it's really the possibilities are endless, Mm -hmm. but what I love about it is, you know, through using both like that dramatic, you know, physical, physical physicalization of it, um, and also the trauma informed approach, you can really get to the root of some of your issues.
0: Wow, I I love that. I I so love that. Actually, in Hakomi therapy, Yay. we we did some chair empty chair work. Um, and it's funny because I actually recently, just recently, have started deepening my own relationship to different body parts of mine mm-hmm. and and talking to them, and it's so powerful. You're right. it's like. The juiciest, most powerful. I mean, if there's one way to get connected to yourself on a deep level, it's talk to your body or your body parts. (laughs) Put your put your booty in a chair across from you and have a conversation with it.
3: Or even just talk to it. I like to lay my hands over parts of my body and talk to them and listen to what they have to say to me. Mm. I do this every morning. Wow. Ooh. So, oh
0: my gosh, this has been amazing. I am just so honored that I know you and I'm honored that you took the time to come out and share some of the amazing knowledge that you have and the practices and tools. And is there anything else you want to share before we say goodbye for now to our beautiful Playdate community?
3: I just want to say thank you for listening. And if you have you know, any questions, feel free to follow up with me directly. Uh, my email is melissa, M E L I S S A, period, gutman, G U T T M A N, at gmail.com.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Melissa. And for all of you out there listening, have a beautiful day. And we'll see you on the next adventure. All right, everyone. I wanted to give you a chance to gather a few tools from the amazing Melissa. So I'm going to hand it over to her so she can outline just three simple daily tools that you can use um, to continue developing your relationship with yourself and staying connected to your true self and expanding and doing all the amazing things you're doing in the world.
3: So here you are. All right. So I start every morning with a feelings check-in. So it's really just listening to what's going on in your body. So if you're feeling any sort of pain or unease in some part of your body, like allowing your hand to direct energy there. So I might like caress my belly, put my hand over my heart. um, And then you know I'd listen and ask questions of that area. So like I'll I'll see what's going on with me. And then I might direct some self-compassion to that area. So like, no, I think of the wounded parts of us as our inner children. And so I'll say something like, oh, I love you, baby, or it's going to be OK. And, you know, and just um, you're beautiful. Oh, I know that hurts. You know, So the way you talk to a child and it really, really helps. I find that it kind of integrates me. It, it heals some of whatever fresh wounding I've felt from the day before. I don't know. I don't even always know what really happened, but I just can like come back home to myself and reintegrate back into my adult self that's the first tool the second tool i used to call the ipod genius tool when there was such a thing i don't know if all y'all remember the ipod genius but the idea that you know there was this function on the ipod that would just intuitively know like what song you would like to hear based on i think another song you had listened to prior to that and so i think of of it as having an internal ipod genius so When you're having a certain feeling, you'll just have an impulse towards a certain song that you want to hear that expresses that feeling. So um, just like Allison was sharing about, you know, listening to Rage Against the Machine when she was feeling angry and she just knew she wanted that song. There's a part of you that might know a song that you want to listen to in that moment that encapsulates the the exact feeling you're having. And then if you're a singer, or even if you aren't, sing the shit out of it. If you're a dancer, even if you aren't, dance the shit out of it. Like, use that song to move the emotion through you. And the third tool I use, you know, is a little specific to me because I'm a musician, but I think it could be adapted for Anybody, um, it's an adapted tool I learned from a method called vocal psychotherapy by Diane Austin, and the idea is that you just play two chords over and over again to give your sense yourself a sense of containment and safety and predictability, um, which allows for you to sort of go into an altered state where you can free associate about what you're feeling. And so, you know, arguably, you don't always wanna do this alone. It depends on how you're feeling. You might wanna do this with a therapist, but um, I know sometimes if I feel just a little confused or frustrated or upset and I wanna have some clarity, I will do that for myself. I will play two chords over and over again. You can even record yourself doing that and then sit back and play that recording and sing over it. and sing whatever words and melodies come to mind. And I you know sometimes I'll start and I'll be feeling confused or frustrated or upset. And, and by the end, I'll be like, um, feeling an entirely different emotion or having an entirely different perspective because I've moved through it. And uh, if you don't play music, you can also do that with journaling. So I do a lot of free associative journaling or the Morning Pages Technique by Julia Cameron where I just write, 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 and don't stop. Um, and then, you know, all manner of things come out of my pen within three pages i'm like okay i think i have a sense of what's going on with me it's just to get through that top layer of denial and bullshit
0: so amazing thank you so so much this is awesome i'm excited to hear what you all discover through doing these practices so head on over to allison h lebrun on facebook and share on the page what you discovered and we'll see you all soon bye Yes, woman. Okay, so we are back, and in this segment, we were just having a really juicy conversation about some shared experiences around, you know, getting involved in personal growth industry, which is amazing, and I'm so grateful that I happened to get involved in personal growth in my mid-20s, and it was also at the same time when I was doing some um, pretty deep embodiment therapy, but at that time, this was like 15 years ago there weren't really a lot of distinctions and I don't think there still are a lot of distinctions inside the coaching world and the therapy world and then you know the healing world there's sort of these three worlds and they're all kind of mixing together in some ways but um, you know we were just jamming on how this embodiment piece and how the embodiment piece that melissa you know is will be working with one-on-one with clients with as soon as her certification gets passed through um is so important and it actually can help you go higher so maybe if you're out there and you've been working for a co- with a coach or you've been doing personal growth programs out there but you notice that things are not shifting you know things are kind of staying the same and i know for me that was my experience. I did a program for six years, and I did all the courses in their school, and, and I got a lot. I grew a lot, but there were still some areas where things were just not budging. You know what I mean? Like, my self-worth, my self-value wasn't budging. It wasn't changing, and, I, and even though I had all these amazing tools, all this amazing awareness, like, there was still fundamentally just some really deep healing work that I hadn't touched yet. So I wanted to give Melissa a chance to also share about this.
3: Yeah, so real growth and healing takes time. And this is what I'm learning in the therapeutic world. And that's something that the personal growth world often doesn't endorse. And so, yeah, I mean, I can't speak as an expert on this because I'm still new on my own path. And there have been things that have shifted more quickly than others. But I think um, the the most fundamental issues we have, the symptoms we have around that, it can take time to look at that, to <laughs> grieve that, to reconcile that, to make sense of that. So even if you have, like, sort of... Um, a lightning bolt awareness that that's not the work the work is what you do after that and so if you're focused on like behavioral change right away in dramatic ways in all these different areas there's gonna be a rebound rubber band effect and I found that in my personal growth work as well like I might know intellectually that I should trust someone but until I like have a deeper deeper tune up around like what had me not trust in the first place, I'm going to keep reverting back to my old behaviors. And then people might coach me out of that. And I'll go back to trusting a little bit. But like it it was never like um, a sustainable growth until I paired the coaching with the therapy.
0: Mm, I love that word sustainable growth. (laughs) It's so, so encapsulate. It's exactly what I feel, you know, needs to be present in the coaching industry and the personal growth industry because there's a lot of people coming into these programs which are amazing and teach people amazing tools, but they're bypassing. They're really stepping over um, yeah. important pieces from their maybe their early childhood that they haven't integrated yet. And so while they may develop themselves as a leader and they might you know learn a lot of really amazing distinctions about being a leader, um, they, like you said, you know, they may still fundamentally not trust people. I think that for me, that was something that I really, you know, I did a lot of leadership training, but yeah, like the work I'm doing now is actually reclaiming me trusting myself and also healing the parts of me that felt like I, you know, there wasn't someone there when I needed them. And that's only expanding my leadership quality. It's taking me higher as a leader, right? I can be present in the face of a lot more, um, you know, Breakdowns and things not going the way that I want as a leader, and be okay with it because I've been present in with myself inside of that chaos.
3: Yeah, and I think like going longer goes faster in a way. It's it's hard to explain. It's a paradox, really. But when I spent four years doing personal growth work without therapy very little actually changed about me or my life (laughs) even though i had the awareness of the direction i wanted to go in and had really great behavioral tools that i now can use and like they kick in now that i have a more solid foundation i can bring all that in but uh i think often the order of doing therapy first or alongside with that can actually like you know while it takes longer at first to kind of do more uncovering work and grieving work then I feel like there's sometimes is more of an exponential growth after that because like you you have laid the foundation for a healthy life mm-hmm. and, and some of those moving parts that were so sticky can all start to move a little quicker. And again, I'm just speaking from personal experience too because this has been my experience.
0: Yeah, I love this. I love
3: this conversation. I personally... I am putting a call
0: out, and I just (laughs) want to share a desire that, you know, more coaches out there, because I know there's a lot of coaches out there and and healers, and um, it's awesome, right? Like, it's changing the landscape of what it means to be human in our, you know, world today, and that's what's needed. But I definitely really have a strong desire that more coaches have a lot more awareness about trauma and also have access to the humbleness of being able to say to a client, you know what? this is a territory that I'm not expert at holding space for. And here's a referral, here's some, a few amazing therapists, or, you know, I suggest you go ahead and check out, you know, expressive arts modality, or Hakomi therapy, you know, whatever. Like, I think there's just, that is the right thing to do, in my opinion. It really is, as someone that myself experienced trauma in my early childhood, and is very passionate about personal growth, I've had coaches judge me and make me wrong for not moving forward quick enough, shame you you for not moving forward quick enough, not getting the tools, not implementing them, when really what needed to happen was like actually a deeper process needed to happen.
3: Yeah, like you can not really, maybe always, I mean again, I'm speaking from personal experience, you can't always forgive someone sustainably in a weekend. Yeah, like you might call them and be like, "I'm sorry. I realized." Blah, 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 but then you still have to move through that grief and that anger that had you holding on to that resentment. So yeah. like like if you actually give yourself time, ironically, you might start to see a lot of changes happening organically on their own. And sometimes, you know, as someone I love efficiency. <laughs> like I'll be
0: honest about that. I'm an Aries. I'm like, "I want everything done now. Yesterday." <laughs> oh my god, I love it. But I notice actually the deeper that I go into my own healing process it's kind of interesting how things actually do happen as efficiently but they just happen maybe sometimes not in the way I expected it to happen right, right? Not I, in a linear fashion. not in a linear fashion I can't control how it's happening yes. but the good news is like the job is getting done, right? It's like the job is fully getting done, not just like we're stepping over a big pile of poop and like being like at the other end, like, yay, we got somewhere. So yeah, acting on an acting
3: on an insight before the rest of you is on board. Right. You know, um, I've been receiving IFS therapy, which I really love and is similar to psychodrama in that it works works with the different roles and parts inside of you. And the idea that you have, like, different wounded parts and you need to take time to unburden them for, like, all of your personality changes to manifest. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But I love that it dovetails with personal growth. I get very excited about this modality because the idea is that you have a self. That's like a higher self that's connected to your soul or spirituality. And it actually works with that as well. So it's like a trauma modality that also works with the the transpersonal. And the idea is that you can ask these parts to step back to access your higher wisdom in sessions. And so you do the reparenting from your self energy. So, like, it's all true. The coaching's true. Like, yes, you have a higher self and you learn that in the coaching weekend. You're like, holy shit, I am so much bigger than all of my limitations. But the other stuff's true too. You still have all of this stuff to look at and sift through and heal. Yeah. And so they're both true. So ignoring one in favor of the other, like being stuck in therapy for 30 years, thinking that you don't, don't have wisdom or you know healthy qualities is total pulled bullshit as well. It's, so you just have to hold both, it's a paradox
0: yes oh my god I love this I love that we're having this conversation yes 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 I think that for me is what had me in a lot of ways avoid therapy because I was present to that I have this part of me this spark inside of me I have this desire to create in the world and I didn't want to be boxed in by a therapist I didn't want a therapist projecting on me well because you've had this happen in your childhood yeah. and this happened you know you need to like be careful and go slow and so that was what led me and drew me into more personal growth programs but I'm really excited we're having this conversation because it tells me that the consciousness you know outside of us too is shifting where there's that awareness it has to be both you have to be doing the both the shadow work and the and the light work at the same time always
3: Yeah, and again, I'm not like a spokesperson. This is actually therapy that I'm receiving, but I'm definitely going to get trained in it, which is why I'm excited to speak about it because I think it's really helped me hold the paradox beautifully. And uh, Richard Schwartz, who created the model, he said that everyone naturally and intrinsically has what he calls the eight Cs. And I think it's like compassion, creativity, connectedness, courage, um, calmness, all these resources that we have naturally. And when you're able to go into... Um, a state of mind where you're in more of a self-state then you have that available to you immediately and I think that that's what courses like Landmark actually help you get to because they help you kind of in a, in a really, um, really powerful, amazing way like sort of think back Think past and sort of embody, like, um, think past your defenses and embody, like, a more truer nature. But then, you know, you can't ignore that your personality structure has all that other stuff going on, too. Right
0: yeah wow and so that coaching modality is called ifc
3: I- <laughs> ifc wrestling champion you are wrestling with your demons just kidding if you're doing it right you're being gentle with them but yes. <laughs> that being said it's ifs internal family systems it is so cool mm. and i just feel like it sort of makes sense of everything i've done so far wow. and is this considered a therapeutic model or a coaching like can anyone study this this is what's cool it's a therapeutic model that deals with the trauma of like your burdened inner children and in other parts, they call them protectors, firefighters, exiles, it's a whole language that you can look up online. But also it's a coaching modality, so you can get certified as either a coach or a therapist and there's a book, I, there's a few books I think that direct you to do it with yourself so you can learn the tools no matter where you're at in your life and, you know. Again, I'm speaking like I'm being trained in it. it well, it's my intention to be, but I'm like, you know, very enthusiastic about how promising it's been for me in my life. It's helped me heal in a way that I still feel very empowered about who I am. Mm, I love that.
0: It's
3: it's everything I wanted from coaching and therapy put together.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. The person that created that is a genius. <laughs> I'm totally getting one of his books. And, yeah, I'm going to dive in. Yeah. Ooh, this Woo. conversation has been juicy. I'm excited to... Yeah, see what you all got out of this. We'd love to hear from you. You can feel free to e- email me at allisonhlebrun93 at gmail.com because I'd love to hear if you have thoughts on this topic. This is a juicy topic and I have a sense that a lot of coaches are stumbling upon this maybe in their journeys um, or maybe therapists too, you know, sort of this interesting paradox and wanting to put it together. Thank you, Melissa. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye.